0: The racist views and slurs that are used by Daryl in this show are not endorsed by this podcast in any way. Enjoy the show.
1: The Big Beat Manifesto goes Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much
0: more all encompassing philosophy. This, yeah. this
1: is outrageous. This is contagious. JLB, credit. Fuck off, please.
2: Hey everybody and welcome back to the Ill Dude Brothers podcast and today we're going to be talking about the episode Jeremy Makes It which originally aired on 19 November 2004. I'm your host Lee the Bratwurst Guzzler
0: and I'm Sean the Sausage Muncher
2: and you know this episode is definitely at least in my opinion it's got to be a top five for just about everybody.
0: Yeah I really like this this episode is incredibly funny on pretty much all accounts.
2: Yeah before we jump in, uh, I just want to uh, give a shout-out to uh, the city of Cincinnati today who uh, dedicated a statue to Pete Rose finally after all these years of him being banned from you know, being able to have anything to do with baseball, and it's nice to see him get his due. I mean, the guy's a legend, and uh, it was a great little ceremony, so I uh, wish I could have been there in Cincinnati today, but good on them.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I didn't know that they
2: had... Uh... I didn't know that they had done something like that, so that's awesome. They didn't really lift his ban until a couple of years ago. Like he couldn't even set foot inside the ballpark, so like it, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I mean, I remember when I was down there, you were telling me that you can't even get uh, a uh, Pete Rose custom jersey made. They just like won't even do that. So no. good for him.
2: Yep, it's absolutely good news. But uh, yeah, this episode is uh, definitely topical in 2017, and it, it shocks me because it you know aired in 2004 but you know with brexit and a lot of other things i mean it really kind of hits home still
0: yeah yeah it's it's really funny how topical this episode is for both countries actually uh, United States and Britain. Yeah.
2: And, uh, you know, this, uh, I think, is a second-to-last appearance of Tony. So we're uh, down to the Tony death count of uh, two, starting with this episode here.
0: This was the second episode of Peep Show that I watched, and I watched it with you at your home. And um, for some reason, I always thought this episode was called "Mark's Mark Makes a Friend, but that's actually in season one where he meets Johnson. Um, so I always hit forget that this episode is called Jeremy Makes It.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so rare that Mark actually makes a friend. So, you know, you can easily get those two confused. But Daryl's another one of those, like, one off, one episode heroes that, you know, appear throughout Peep Show. And Daryl, you know, I'm not as excited about as some of the other characters, but he does add a lot to this episode. And, uh, I, you know, I wish I would have done more with a lot of those one off characters.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I hate to keep bringing up Valerie, but Valerie is, is probably a good one. And even Gog in this episode, I think they probably could have brought Gog back later and mm-hmm. had him you know, still trying to uh, fire higher and perspire.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think that Nancy's exit from the series was also a little abrupt.
0: I got the script book for Peep Show, and that was one thing that it talks about, is that for season three, both Tony and Nancy were supposed to be featured fairly heavily and then both actresses really couldn't commit to season three so they kind of changed everything over and brought big susan
2: hmm. well big Susan ended up being a great character and she stuck around for quite a while so uh be- without any further ado uh we'll go ahead and jump into uh up just some patio outdoor garden type area where tony and tony are announcing that they're getting remarried And I do have good
0: news. This is the last time we will ever talk about a scene with both Tony and Tony in there, so we don't have to confuse anybody.
2: (laughs) So, uh, you know, Tony is very happy announcing that they're getting back together and and getting remarried, but Tony makes a joke about, you know, we made a few mistakes the first time around, but now we get the chance to make them all over again. pisses off Tony, who... uh, you know says oh well we're already starting with the jokes at least one of us is serious about giving this a fucking go and then she just kind of storms off
0: yeah and then super hands just kind of gives this knowing look to jeremy and he's like you did didn't you
2: yeah and jeremy just says yeah and you obviously did as well
0: and then we get kind of this really funny super hands scene where he's just like oh yeah and then he kind of thinks back to it and he's just like spicy spicy <laughs>
2: But yeah, I, this would have been the first time you saw Superhands.
0: This is actually my first encounter with Superhands, and it was like, who is this? Uh, who is this
2: crack smoking guy? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, so he he pulls out his crack pipe and uh, starts honking on a little bit, and he makes a joke about, well, relax, it's not Blue Peter. I'm just having a nice little relaxing smoke of crack. Nice little relaxing smoke of crack. I don't, and I, mean, I don't think those words have been said anywhere else. Yeah, that's probably. what I was just about to say.
0: Like, you never <laughs> hear anybody say anything like, you know, I'm just gonna casually use heroin, or you know, I'm just gonna casually smoke
2: crack. Well, I think if you use heroin, you have to be pretty casual because, you, I mean, you are just by default going to be laid back. Yeah, I guess that's but, true. But like, like no, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take this meth and just relax for like three days before I can fall asleep again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know what? One little joke that I like in here that was kind of subtle was when he says, "Relax, it's not Blue Peter." Because as a Breaking Bad fan, I always just—I always just thought when he said Blue Peter, he was talking about meth. And I actually discovered that he's actually making a joke about a TV show called Really Blue Peter, and one of the hosts, Richard Bacon, was fired for doing cocaine. But, you know, what cracks me up about that is that meth, or excuse me, crack and cocaine are the exact same drug. You just take them differently.
2: Yeah, yeah but, you know, there's none of those drugs. I mean, you're not a casual user. You know, you don't casually use it. Anymore. No, I mean, no. Like, you're either all in or you're not. Yeah, yeah, you so, just never, yeah, you it's you kind just of never do it. Thing. So that nice relaxing smoke of crack is just that that line gets me every time. But uh, Jeremy immediately gets excited because he kind of looks over and sees a former classmate of his named Gog. Yeah, and Gog is played by an actor named Gareth Tunley.
0: And he is best known for his movie roles in Down Terrace and Kill List. And he actually uh, already directed a movie. Um, He just recently directed a horror movie called The Ghoul. And Gog is only in this episode, but he's pretty funny
2: yes he is he's very funny in this episode and uh apparently according to jeremy he was the guy in school that if you're gonna sneeze you ran up and did it in his face so obviously there was a a fair bit of bullying towards gog back in the day
0: yeah and one one thing i like in this episode is that and this is kind of a common a, a common trope in in tv shows but where the bully the uh the bullied gets to bully the bully
2: in a way i mean later on uh it it changes the the script kind of flips a little bit, but we'll get to that when it's time. But uh, so anyway, he just looks up and says, Gog, what are you doing here? And just kind of gives him a titty twister.
0: Yeah. And um, Gog is just like, Oh, you know, running the business, hiring, firing and perspiring. And Jeremy's like, Oh, business, huh? Look at you with your glass of wine in your jacket. Just like a real
2: person. Remember when we made you wank off Percy's dog for a fiver? <laughs> you know, we, then, we, we should just go ahead and insert the conversation here, because it's a, it's, it's a pretty good one.
1: Jeremy,
3: what are you doing here?
2: Wouldn't you like to know, you big prick?
3: So what are you doing? Just running the business. You know, hiring, firing, and perspiring. Business?
1: <laughs> Look at you with your glass of wine and your jacket, just like a real person. Remember when we made you wank off Percy's dog for a fiver? What are you doing, really?
3: Like I said, business. Going public in April. Usernames. And I'm overseeing the edit on my first short. Honda are very interested.
1: What, so you're actually successful?
3: Looks like it. Yeah, just come back from three hours trying to find some music for our soundtrack that doesn't completely suck ass. But, Gog, I'm
1: music. I make music. Right, well, maybe we should meet up and have a chat sometime. Of course we should meet up sometime and have a chat. Look, here's Super Hands. We can do the music, can't we,
2: Superhands? I'll tell you what, that crack is really moorish. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a great conversation. And Jeremy's face, like, when he realizes that uh, Gog is successful is really funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then I like Superhands just coming in,
2: like, I tell you what, this crack
0: is really moorish.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Jeremy, with all the good intentions of trying to introduce his bandmate, of being, you know, a music person or whatever he refers to himself as, and here comes this crackhead... But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but Moorish is a uh, UK slang for our uh, US listeners uh, for food with an appealing taste that would make you want to eat more of it. So in this case, a hit a crack makes him want to do more crack naturally. Yeah, but is the crack really Moorish or is he just a fucking addict? I mean, <laughs> uh, he, he's he's an everything addict. I mean, it's you know, it's the it's the sliding scale of super hands. He you just kind of. Yeah, it just yeah. depends on the episode, depends on the season, depends on the ep- you know, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. over at JLB, Mark is forced to work on a Saturday, and he's none too pleased about that. Yeah, he thinks that they had
0: Irish people to to work to to work on Saturdays for them, and he looks over and he sees Sophie and Jeff, and um, you know, Sophie is still probably a little angry at Mark for the email hacking. She's pretty standoffish to him most
2: of this episode. Right, and Jeff helps Sophie put on her coat because uh, I guess they are working on an, a certain account so uh, it's an excuse for Jeff to get Sophie back to his place
0: yeah yeah they're working on the Stockport contract together and and Jeff walks over and he looks at Mark and a new co-worker we've never seen before and in his thick accent he just is like see you later gaze and Mark is just like what <laughs> and Jeff is like see you later guys but with Jeff's accent the the word gay and the word guy sound pretty similar to each other so you kind of have to do it was it was, intentional
2: it was definitely oh, obviously it was intentional yeah but Jeff uh loudly and, and another attempt to just kind of cuck old Mark loudly tells Sophie his address and to bring the vino and then he turns to Mark and says and I'll bring the massage oil
0: Yeah, and and Mark knows that Jeff is just trying to needle him. And, you know, um, Mark is like, oh, he's just trying to make me a sense about a massage oil and it's worked. And then he looks over at at Daryl and he's like, break with the newbie. It'll be a pain fest trying to chat. Maybe I'll say I'm very upset and go sit on the
2: loo and just never explain. But meanwhile, Daryl, the new guy, crumples a piece of paper and just chucks it at Mark. And Mark's first thought is, "Oh, he's taunting me! Like, ugh, I should have made him a cup of tea when I had one." Yeah, and then uh, you know, Daryl kind of like points at the phone and makes a face, and Mark says, "Oh, hurrah! It's a joke! It's a hilarious joke!"
0: Yeah, and then and then this is kind of your first introduction to Daryl, where he's like, "Okay, great. Sure, you don't need a loan." Maybe for some therapy to help you speak properly, huh? Okay, bye. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then uh, tells Mark, you know, he had already hung up, so he was just playing on the phone. But Daryl's played by an actor named Steve Edge, and according to IMDb, he's best known for All at Sea, which is a children's show, Paddington, the uh, 2014 movie of it, and a TV show called The Starlings.
0: Yeah, and he also does stand up and comedy as well. And when I was looking at his IMDb page, despite saying that Paddington is one of his best known roles, he's literally the last person listed in the IND cast page, and that's... his character, I believe, does not even have a name.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, later at JLB, uh, you know, Mark is just tired of working and just he just starts playing random. I guess World War Two games with Daryl with random office supplies like uh, empty five gallon water jugs and uh, you know wet wet pieces of uh, paper towel. Yeah, and he's walking up the
0: stairs and and he's like, "I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. This is crazy. I I should be, I should be working." And Mark just throws a wet paper towel bomb at him, and and then Daryl just knocks down a stack stack of those five gallon. Um, uh, uh, buckets And Daryl's just like, I'm Barnes Wallace and you're the Roar. And Mark is just like so excited, you know, I'm the Roar and no one's actually said the word
2: Dam Busters. And <laughs> I'm not thinking about Sophie. Right. And of, of course, uh, B- uh, Barnes Wallace was the inventor of the Dam Buster bomb that was used in the Battle, battle of Roar Valley. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then we get kind of this like weird quick flash where they're standing in front of Ian Krause's door. And, uh, and they've got a sausage and I I don't know about you, but I always think that this sausage looks like it has like a push pin through it. Like it's got that green. Yeah. It's like, like
2: it's like a tack or a push pin or something like that. But I, I mean, I just, I just want to know where they got the sausage.
0: Yeah. And like, not only where did they get the sausage, but you know, what, uh, you know, what, you know, how did, how did, did Daryl like convince Mark? that stapling a sausage to ian Krause's door was a good idea
2: well i think at this point mark's all happy-go-lucky like oh my god i've made a friend you know and he actually (laughs) says he actually says like i've got a friend i've made a friend but before that you know daryl's kind of pushing mark you know go on go on pretend it's his cock so he takes a stapler and just smashes the sausage up and tacks it to ian Krause's door
0: Yeah, and then, then of course, we get the quintessential Mark line of, I've got a friend. I've made a friend. Maybe there's nothing wrong with me, and I'm just a normal human being. Hmm.
2: Not quite, but uh, Jeremy, at this point, is over at Gog's apartment, and he is pitching a song to Gog. And, you know, the song isn't horrible, so it's hard to believe that it was one of Jeremy's tracks, but Jeremy's worried that Gog will know it was Jeremy who, I guess, back in high school or whenever, uh, shit in his mom's airing cupboard.
0: Yeah, and then we've got this really funny scene after this where, where, where Jeremy and Gog talk some more, so we're just going to go ahead and, and play this scene.
3: Want another beer? Sure. Follow me.
1: <clears throat> he hates it. He bloody hates it.
3: These are my guys. They had to pull a lady. So I was all, do it around my place. I've got a fridge full of beers. Plus, this way, I get to keep an eye on, which is cool. Very cool. So, about the track. Hey, you know what I fancy right now? A kebab. Will you go down and get me a kebab. You want me to... I want a kebab.
1: What? Really? (laughs) No!
3: Why? Were you going to go and get me one? (laughs) No. I can't believe you were going to go and get me a kebab.
1: I wasn't. Well, I want one now. Right. Really? (laughs) No! I'm shitting you, Jess. (laughs) Jesus. Right. So,
3: about the soundtrack. Can I do the soundtrack? I'm talking to a number of people, Jez. But if I do pick you, what I want is something classic. You remember the theme tune from Jaws? Well, I don't want anything like that, obviously. I want something completely different. I want something that when people hear it, they'll immediately go... Yeah.
1: Right. What shall I write? Can't just put not Jaws. Do pretend writing.
3: Are you pretending to write?
0: No. <laughs> Are you doing pretend writing? I want no. a kebab. Yeah, there's 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 some really, really funny lines. I, I really think that they missed the mark by not having Gog like tell Jeremy to show him what he was writing. Yeah, yeah, that would have
2: been funny. But uh, you know, I just I love Gog's you know, temporary obsession with the kebab. It's his only purpose on this earth is to get that kebab. Hey, you know what I fancy right now? A kebab. <laughs> Will you go down and get me a kebab? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, meanwhile at JLB, uh, must be the next day, I'm, I'm assuming, Mark is sitting at a table with Johnson, who definitely doesn't look happy.
0: Yeah, and, and this is this is... This was my introduction to Johnson, And I thought Johnson was so goddamn funny in this scene where he's like, We're going to have to treat it as a racial incident. Oh, but even before that, Mark is all like panicking that they're going to do like a fingerprint sweep on the sausage. (laughs) So he kind of like picks the sausage up and then he, Oh, oh, hell. I shouldn't have done that, should I? My prints will be all over it. And Johnson is just like, Yeah, well, it's very embarrassing. And since Ian Krauss is of German extraction, it has to be treated as a racial
2: incident. Now, my question here is, can you actually fingerprint a sausage? (laughs) I mean, you know, sausages are greasy. You got oils on the human hand. That's what leaves fingerprints, right? Right. Can you fingerprint a sausage? If we have any forensic experts, please reach out to us. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I think you can fingerprint anything,
0: but I, I don't know. You know what? I've got the Google box in front of me can you fingerprint a sausage there's there might be some weird results from that all right let's see here can you fingerprint the sausage on the alan partridge reddit (laughs) uh nothing here apparently alan partridge fucking asked this exact same question
2: that's interesting (laughs) yeah yeah i mean did he commit hate crimes that I, I mean, mean, we're, I we're asking know. the tough questions I don't know. Here. I don't know. <laughs> Can you <laughs> fingerprint
0: a sausage? Sausage <laughs> fingers don't have fingerprints, so I reckon that's a no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, so, oh,
0: god damn, I wish I was funny and
2: witty like that, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Johnson, you know, like like Sean said, you know, mentions that they're treating it as a racial incident and you know, Mark is very confused, but you know, Johnson's like, you know, please don't let me do I really have to spell it out for you? And he says, uh, the sausage munching Bosch, Fritz the Bratwurst Guzzler. And I like how he says like bratwurst instead of Bratwurst like a normal
0: a normal person and, and Mark's just like oh Oh yeah, that's 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 horrible.
2: And <laughs> yeah. um, we found out we had no idea. We thought uh, we didn't know what "Bosch" meant, but I guess it's a French uh, pejorative for Germans.
0: Yeah, I was gonna, I was actually gonna come in saying it, but then I realized that it's probably one of those words that you don't really, probably shouldn't be saying.
2: But uh, back at Apollo House, Daryl and Mark are just kind of hanging out on the couch and. Daryl's all upset that you know it's being considered a racial incident,
0: and I actually know people who probably, you know, or well, I shouldn't I say I know, but I've heard people say like kind of echo some of these like same thoughts that that Daryl has here, and sure. and it's still at this point you don't really realize anything is kind of off with Daryl at this point, and he's just like, oh, next thing you won't be able to get black coffee from a coffee machine, and and Mark's like exactly, and then they'll have a bloody you banana straightening machine and then we get a funny little joke from daryl where he's yeah. like there's already a banana straightening machine it's called woman
2: and apparently i guess this is uh, some kind of uh conspiracy theory it looks like
0: yeah there was a, a great video that um i can't remember if it was laura from london i think it was laura from london linked me where it was all the pop culture references for peep show mm-hmm. And when it got to the banana straightening, straightening machine, it said, "Fictional device, idiots think is used to make Britain's fruit conform to fictional EU laws."
2: So, so I guess a... it's like I guess it's like chemtrails.
0: Yeah, yeah. And when I actually googled banana straightening machine, every hit that I got was Peep Show or the video that Laura linked me.
2: Well, that's good. I would imagine a banana straightening machine just on a regular Google search might give you you know browsers or something. But, I made sure and turned safe search on. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But uh, Daryl is talking and you know calls uh, Sophia bitch and kind of tries to convince Mark to also call Sophia bitch and he reluctantly does. But uh, Mark actually seems pretty pleased by having letting that out there.
0: Yeah, I, I like this. I, I like this. Daryl's like, I mean, you take that Sophie, right going over to Jeff's like that, right in your face. You gotta admit that is the behavior of a world class. Bitch, and then Mark is just like, yeah. And then in his head, he's like, "Go on, say it. I'm going to say it." And then Mark's just like, "Yeah, I suppose she is a bit of a bitch." And (sighs) and then Daryl's, you know, is like, "Too right. Ask Clarkson. Clarkson knows people like fast cars. They like females with big boobies, and they don't want the euro." And I guarantee you, Mark also wants two of those
2: three things. Yes, I absolutely agree. And Mark says that he's not hungry, but, uh, you know, hands Daryl a menu for a a Chinese place, just offering him something. And uh, Daryl makes a comment that he doesn't fancy a chinky, but he asks for a pizza menu instead. And uh, me and Sean talked about this before the episode. And the first time we watched it, we didn't get that Daryl was being racist. Like, we thought that chinky was like a British slang for Chinese restaurants. So... Uh, you know, initially it didn't raise any bells with us that Daryl is a horrible person, which, as Nancy said in the last episode, I mean, we're from America. We should know the kind of problems that race can bring up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it and, oblivious to it. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, obviously I know that there's the a, a pejorative term for Asian people is in that word, but, you know, I just always thought that Chinky
2: was like you know, uh, like just kind of a sling term. And, no, it, you know it, it, that there it, it was kind nothing... sounds, It kind of sounds a little bit playful. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to make light of it, but I mean, you know, it doesn't sound terrible. No, it, it definitely does not sound terrible at all. But they uh, flip to a channel on TV where a World War II movie's playing, and Daryl comments on how he likes seeing them run with real Sten guns, and Mark gets excited and just wants to talk about World War II. Yeah, and Mark's just like, Yeah? Do you know? And Daryl's just
0: like, Oh, just reenactments, you know. It's cool. We do WW2 stuff.
2: Can't be a hell of a laugh, you know. Just a bunch of guys together. I mean, Mark thinks it sounds lame, but really wants to do it. I mean, Mark strikes me exactly as the kind of person who would desperately want to do historical reenactment. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know what's what's funny is, now that I'm looking at the script, this next line, I always thought Mark was like, do you want another beer G? Like... You know, that, I just thought that that was like a, a little slang word he had for beer. But in the script, it's actually another beer, G. Like, you know, like how I'd be like, oh, what up, G?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, that's uh, that's strange that Mark would say that. But he goes into the kitchen to grab that beer. And Super Hands is sitting there at the table just smoking some more crack. And uh, yeah. there's, there's a really great exchange here because Jeremy kind of pops out of his bedroom, and uh, we'll just go ahead and play that scene. God, what is he taking? Better not disturb him. He might attack me and be sick. Uh,
1: Jeremy! What? What's Hans doing? He's honking on his crack pipe. Crack? I've got company. Oh, relax. Oh, I'm Mark, I'm in the 80s. I'm dying of heroin in a puddle in the corner in an advert. Drugs are fine, Mark. Everyone agrees now. Drugs are what happened to people and that's fine, so shut up. Look, I don't want to make a scene, but I really think... What? It's Gog! I got the commission! Well, congratulations. Shove it up your ass, Shove it up your ass. I've got a commission. It's big and it's fat and it's going right up your white bread ass. Jez, for God's sake, I'm pleased for you. Oh, yeah, sure you are. So pleased that I've gone straight to the finish line on my enormous bike while you're still jogging along for miles in the rat race with you and all the other rats. Exactly. I, I think it's great. Great. Well, in that case, you won't mind if I take you out for an incredibly expensive meal to celebrate. I- I'm not that hungry. Bollocks. We're going.
0: and i'm going to buy you a really expensive dinner
2: shove it up your ass (laughs) shove
0: it up your ass i got the commission (laughs) i also really like the part where uh where jeremy's like relax oh i'm mark i'm from the 80s i'm dying of heroin in a puddle in the corner in an advert drugs are fine mark everyone agrees drugs are what happens to people and that's fine so shut up
2: (laughs) yeah i also like the term honking on his crack pipe yeah, that's that's a really that's a really really funny scene right there. Yeah, but uh, so then we go to the Indian restaurant where uh, we have Mark, Jeremy, and Daryl, and I assume that Hans is in there because he's all cracked out. I mean, I, I don't know. But uh, we uh, we come into the scene and Daryl is leaving the table to buy some beers for everybody at the bar. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the thing that I don't
0: understand is is Jeremy is like. Oh, why did you have to bring Daryl? Well, Jeremy,
2: you could have just fucking told him no. You're the one that's goddamn buying the shit. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, he's a bit boring, isn't he? And uh, Mark says, boring what? Because he doesn't go around with a haircut and an iPod and piercings and a (laughs) strap-on? And then Jeremy
0: just looks at Mark and he's just like, a strap-on? And Mark's just like, it's an example.
2: <laughs> but, so uh, the waiter comes by, drops off their f- or some of their food anyway, and uh, Jeremy's very displeased by this uh, because Mark had changed his order, so we'll go ahead and listen to that real quick. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I ordered uh, three pilau rice and three
1: peshwari naans. It's, it's all right, Jeremy. It, it's all right. I changed the order. There's always rice left. It's not all right. Bring us three pilau rice and four peshwari naans, please. I've shared enough rice with you, Mark.
0: I'm in the big league now.
1: Four naan, Jeremy. Four. That's insane.
2: <laughs> four naan, Jeremy. Four. Four naan. Is that insane? <laughs> that, that's insane. And Jeremy talks to Mark about uh, deciding what to do with his band because you know he wants to invite Mark to be a part of it. And he, you know, he mentions that Nancy's going to be singing. Daryl's going to be playing the core anglais, and Mark wants to do a like Jean-Michel Ja thing on the keyboard, which is weird because Mark's never really shown any interest in playing the keyboard.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is like completely, completely Jeremy's domain. And I, I feel like that this is like honestly one of the only jokes in this entire in this entire episode that doesn't really land for me. No, I, I agree. I actually, I actually just wanted to go back and talk a little bit about um, the scene because I just like the part where Jeremy's like, I've shared enough rice with you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the big league now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the big league with it, you know, because at this point, you know, I guess he has received an advance, even though it's not explicitly mentioned yet, but uh, he's received an advance from Gog to work on the track, so he thinks that he is just king shit.
0: Yeah, and he's... super excited and then this next part is really funny because Daryl finally comes back to the table and he's like another beer for the three musketeers and 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 uh Mark and Daryl like put their fists on top of each other and they just both look at Jeremy with like these like this idiot expression on his face and Jeremy just looks completely disgusted and then he puts his fist in the middle too
2: (laughs) yeah it's the unenthusiastic old dude brothers honk just with an extra person yeah. But uh so after they leave the restaurant, we have Jeremy, Mark, and Daryl in the back of a cab, and Jeremy just has a look of disgust on his face with everything that's going on. And he, I think it's I think it's just jealousy that Mark has a friend that isn't him.
0: I'm almost hundred percent sure that's what it is because Daryl's like, Hey, check this out. Sexy girl walked past and it's whew. I'm trying to whistle here but I can't. He's like <laughs> And then he reveals that they have stolen, like, probably, like... How big do you think that street cone is, Lee? Like, three uh, feet tall?
2: Yeah, say it's three or four feet uh, traffic cone there.
0: Daryl's, like, holding it between his legs, and then Mark takes it and starts using it a me- as a megaphone, and he's like, That's not funny, Daryl. I repeat, not funny.
2: <laughs> and-, and Jeremy is just, like... I I don't I mean the word nonplussed is in the notes I mean I don't even know it's it's definitely a range of emotions about them having fun with a traffic cone and he just (laughs) says you know come on lose a cone guys I'm a somebody now there's no need for the cone
0: yeah and then I like Mark and Daryl looks kind of teaming up on Jeremy and they're like oh too good for the cone are we we're well, having a laugh, Jeremy, a bloody good laugh. And then Mark goes, oh, I'll bet we're having much better time than Sophie is. And and Daryl's like, hey, of course we are, mate. Of course we are. Hey, I tell you what, I tell you where we should go next.
2: <laughs> Which <laughs> is, just happens to be outside of Jeff's apartment, since he loudly announced his address to the entire staff. So <laughs> Daryl wants to fuck Jeff up, and Mark just wants to do a like a ding-dong ditch, you know, a little." high school prank or whatever. But uh, Daryl decides that he wants to throw a fairly large rock through Jeff's window.
0: Yeah, and I, I like how... I like this scene a lot, because Mark's face goes from, like, laughter to horror in, <laughs> in the span of about, like, 15 seconds. And then he's just kind of standing there, and he's just like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. And then the light turns on and of course Sophie and Jeff are actually in the window above the one that they've just broken and they look <laughs> out and see Mark just standing there.
2: Yeah. So uh at this point we are finally getting to recording this track for Honda. So we have uh Jeremy and Superhands on the keyboard like we said, Nancy singing, Daryl on the core on We see uh Gogs short on a small TV And uh, actually, fun fact, uh, the guy running up the stairs in that film is actually Jesse Armstrong.
0: Yeah, I discovered that and thought that was a cool little uh, neat neat thing that I wanted to just kind of insert in there. That's the kind of hard-hitting facts and information that people really want from us.
2: Mm -hmm. I think people expect it. But Jeremy at this point is panicking because the song just is not... Coming together whatsoever. So we'll go ahead and play the scene and uh, kind of the a little bit of the aftermath there.
1: What we really need to do is create a powerful sense of
2: dread. See, the longer the note, the more dread.
1: God, that's terrible. It's worse than Daryl's bloody core on Glay. Oh, they're useless. I wish they were all robots. I wish I was a robot. Maybe I could punch through a wall. Yeah. Okay. Right. Ready? One, two, three, let's go!
0: Watch out, they're gonna get you They're gonna get you, baby They're coming after you Watch your back, they're gonna get you They're coming after
1: you Look, no, alright? That's not shit, but just no Hans, you realise we've only got 39 minutes left?
2: All right, so now we're working, it's not okay for me to smoke my crack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now that we're working, it's not okay for
2: me to smoke my crack. (laughs) I just, I love, now what you need to do is create a powerful sense of dread. The longer the note, the more dread.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Oh my gosh, that scene is is so classic, because I can just totally see, you know... Uh, bands like having that kind of a recording experience where they're oh, just sure. trying to to record and just like nothing is coming together and you know the, right the... after this scene is over, Mark like pops in and he's trying to you know kind of calm Jeremy down and then Jeremy just you know snaps at him. It's so goddamn funny.
2: Yeah, uh, Jeremy or Jeremy says, you know, there's a very clear but invisible line. Here be beauty, and then pointing at the uh, the engineering room, there be pie charts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the engineer is like, look, I've been here since eight. I'm just going to go grab a coffee. All right. You know, which is a perfectly reasonable response. And then super hands just like, yeah, well, if you leave now and he just starts kicking equipment, he's just like, don't ever fucking come back. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, uh, at this point, Jez looks like he's about to cry because this whole thing is falling apart in front of him. Now, before we go to the next scene, I just want to kind of like something that I noticed is you have you know hands and jazz on the keyboards, right? But like right. they they fancy themselves these great musicians, but literally all all hands is doing is pushing the dread note, and then Jeremy <laughs> seems like he's just mashing one uh, key on a synthesizer to get that whole like brr, brr, whatever the the notes he's playing. It <laughs> like he's not actually playing it; it's just like a pre-synthesized thing. It's, it's absolute garbage. I mean, I just thought that was funny. That, you know, they they claim to be such great musicians, but they're both just basically pushing one note on a keyboard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's and you know, it's weird because he did write outrageous and he ostensibly wrote the song that Gog listened to. Right. And that song that Gog listened to was not I, I mean, I well, I guess I shouldn't even say that because we have seen we see later in the series that uh um Jeremy and Hans are not really afraid of of stealing music from somebody else. So I guess it's completely possible that that was,
2: uh, you know, that was a song that they stole from somebody else. Definitely could be. And uh, in the next scene, we have Mark kind of, I think, living his dream because he's at a World War II reenactment with Mark and Daryl and they are dressed up as Nazis.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're doing. uh... They're they're dressed up as just kind of your run of the run of the mill Germany World War Two regular army uniforms and you know Daryl this is kind of the scene where you get the first inkling like the real big inkling that that something is wrong here because um, Daryl's just like I mean obviously a band isn't an army but you need some organization I mean democracy is all very well but it's weak it's decadent you need a strong leader <laughs> and. And then Mark starts to look like concerned, but Daryl, you know, quickly assures him, uh, I'm in character. And Mark's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Fatherland needs the Fuhrer.
2: (laughs) And (laughs) and he's just saying to himself, oh, God, I'm even boring when I'm a Nazi.
0: Yeah. And then (laughs) their next exchange after this is so incredibly goddamn funny. And it's really kind of the big reveal of the episode. So I'm just going to go ahead and play their. Conversation. Still, it's nice to get out of the city, isn't it?
3: Oh, yeah. It's nice to get away from it all, isn't it? You know, the work, the smog, the graffiti. Yeah, the traffic, the noise, the hassle. The car alarms, the cash points, the blacks, the packies, the Jews. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we all want, a, a racially pure nation. Exactly. I mean, all we're saying is England for the English, right? You mean Germany for the Germans? You mean... This is uh, oh, are we rights for whites? That's not too much to ask, is it? it? Is this real now? We're on the same wavelength, right? Everyone thinks so. The difference is we're not afraid to say it.
1: Oh shit! Oh bollocks! Of course, I can't just
3: make a nice normal friend. Oh no, that would be far too simple.
0: Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty. He's uh, Germany for the Germans. You mean this is? Are we... <laughs>
2: is, th- is this real now? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and, and I, like,
0: I like right after that, because the commandant walks up, and, and Daryl's just like, Heil Hitler? Very hardy. And, very proud. Yeah, very hardy. Like, very s- smart, like, snaps his heels together, pops that hand right up there.
2: Right. And, you know, Mark kind of weakly, almost like he's waving at him. Yeah, Heil Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even get Hitler out. He's just like,
0: Heil And the commandant's like, you're not supposed to do that, Daryl. You know you're not supposed to do that. And Daryl just kind of looks over at at Mark and gives him kind of this smug look.
2: Uh, So uh, back at Apollo House, uh, we have Jeremy who's sitting on the couch. Uh, I believe he's just eating, like, cold baked beans out of a can. And, you know, he's talking about the track. Oh, I was really pleased with it. Uh, once we got that weird hiss off, I mean, you'll never get it off entirely, but you know.
0: And this line, this line hits way close to home because, um, I, I want to release a high quality podcast, and I was not really happy with the American uh, American Peep Show episode that we did, mostly because I had the fans turned up on my computer, and my microphone was so sensitive that it caught my fans throughout like the entire background. so when i was mixing the episode i didn't hear it um i i didn't hear it i should say because i don't know if my speakers just weren't like i i I don't know i just didn't hear it when i was when i was mixing it the first time i listened to it i was i texted lee and i was like we're gonna have to re-record this entire fucking thing
2: (laughs) yeah and you know i thought we did good on that so i really didn't want to re-record it but we got another opinion and and they said you know yeah, it's noticeable, but it's not that bad. But I thought it was funny cuz when you texted me you're like there's a hiss on the track and I just thought you were being I just thought you were being funny.
0: <laughs> uh, no, no, I was I was pretty annoyed. And then of course, the good old folks in JLB when I posted about the hiss, they said, "Well, you know, you can never really get the hiss off." And I was just like, fuck it you can never really get the hiss off so
2: well i mean the good news is like i always whenever i'm listening to our episodes just to review them i always listen on my alexa so it uh she didn't turn on this time so uh you know it i didn't really hear it that badly but uh, it was definitely noticeable
0: yeah and but it was weird because it would cut like in and out but i actually what i ended up What I end up thinking happened is I think that my microphone was just defective because once I returned the microphone, never had a problem with it again.
2: Yeah, and uh, since then we have both upgraded our equipment, so you should be hearing us in uh, some nice high fidelity, you know, high quality sound, so please offset that by visiting our Patreon page. (coughs) 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 (laughs) So uh, Mark is just kind of staring at Jeremy at this point, and you know, because he just Eating that can of beans, just going to town on it, and uh, Mark at this point is realizing that Daryl is toxic and a racist, but he enjoys having him as a friend because he just doesn't have that many friends. So he, it's it's just a dilemma for him.
0: Yeah, and and Mark's like, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe everyone is does it, and when he's meaning it, he's meaning kind of he's meaning racism, and he's like. Maybe everyone does it now, and it's cool, and Ollie G, and I'm just an old stick in the mud. And <laughs> he looks at Jeremy, and he's like, "Uh, uh, I might just pop down. I just might pop down to the Chinky. Do you want anything?" And Jeremy's just like, "From, no, I'm all right." And then Mark's <laughs> like, "What about the Pocky Shop? Do you want anything from the Pocky Shop?" The and P- then Pocky Shop. <laughs> and then and then he's got this line where he's like I don't normally go in there cuz they've always got that wog box on and um <laughs> I found out now that I see the correct spelling it, uh, of correct spelling of it a wog box is a large stereo um you know like one of those old 80s like boom boxes right. but it looks like it's uh you know it looks like it's british slang for that
2: gotcha and, you know, Jeremy at this point just calls out Mark on his racism. And Mark, you know, again, he's just testing this theory. He, he's not, act, you know, because he, he doesn't feel this way, obviously. But Mark just is kind of like, yeah, that's not on, is it?
0: And and Jeremy is like, well, no. And then Mark's like, and obviously you don't think there's a, a global Jewish conspiracy controlling
2: everything. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, so, you know... Anyway, Mark says, you know, as it turns out, Daryl's a racist, and Jeremy's like, well, are you sure he's a proper, you know, it wasn't just racist horseplay, which I love that line.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I feel like racist horseplay is kind of a, is probably a term that in 2017 politics should probably be making a comeback anytime now.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, apparently they were in a tent for hours during the uh, during the reenactment, and uh, he talked. Daryl talked mostly about head measurements and racial classifications, which of course head measurements are, it's kind of a common talking point for white supremacists.
0: Yeah, and and Jeremy just has this look on his face where he's like, "Wow," and Mark's like, "I feel terrible." Do you think? Do you think I should confront him? And Jeremy's like, you mean you didn't confront him? And I can totally see what what Daryl's saying. Because, you know, if somebody's saying racist shit, you definitely should, you know, tell them, like, hey, the shit you're saying is racist. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's fucking Mark. Like, Mark is the
2: least confrontational person ever. Well, right, and and this is also 2004, where it wasn't like it wasn't as out there in 2004. Yeah, that that was was really like the beginning of like proper racial sensitivity, at least in America. Next thing we get is uh, we we hear the doorbell ring, and Mark's looking out the peephole, and Daryl's standing there at the door.
0: Yeah, and and he just looks at Jeremy, and and Mark just looks at Jeremy, and he's like, "Can you can you answer the door?" And uh, oh God, what does he say? Uh, He Mark says, "Tell him I'm not here," and then jeremy just looks at him and he's like why and mark's like because i didn't confront him all right
2: <laughs> and uh anyway so jeremy does open the door and daryl's asking oh, you know is mark around and jeremy says oh mark isn't here right now because he went out to get a thai curry like very emphasized on the thai curry <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thinking to himself in his internal monologue because that's what we eat nowadays while you're chomping on your racist carrots <laughs> and yeah, I I
0: love that racist carrots line cuz it just it really makes no sense to me.
2: I've I've never met a racist carrot.
0: No, I haven't either, but it's it's so goddamn funny. There, the, especially I, the way he says it when he's like while we're cuz that's what we do nowadays while you're chomping on your racist carrots.
2: And and if I've ever eaten a racist carrot, I I apologize for anybody who I've oppressed through doing so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh A couple days later, uh, we were at a uh, restaurant called Frankie and Benny's and the JLB crew goes out for dinner because Johnson's kind of looking for a a team-building session. Um, Yeah, and when we
0: come into the dinner, Mark is just like, hope Jess Naver got the check for the window, so sorry. What happened was we were passing and I said, let's see if they're in, throw some stones at the window. And Daryl thought... I said stone and the stone he picked was a brick and he got the wrong window in. Well, you know the rest.
2: <laughs> and, and you know that Sophie thinks it's full of shit just based by, based on her facial expression. Yeah. But Mark's, and then Mark's, Mark's still trying to sell it though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then right as he, right as he, he does that, Daryl like comes in and he gives Mark a little handshake and he's just like, Oh, Hey, is your, your mobile broken? And I haven't been able to reach you for a, you know, I haven't been able to reach you for a few days. And then Mark's just like, hey, they have chicken wings. I love chicken wings. <laughs> so
2: at this point, Sophie's just irritated and says, okay, so why are we all here? Johnson, and this is what I was talking about. He says, I noticed a bit of static in the office. I wanted to bring us here for a bonding sesh. When, with that classic Johnson grin. Oh my God, That
0: that the way he says sesh, like it's the fucking coolest word ever he's like bonding sesh and then just flashes this like stupid fucking grin it's so goddamn funny
2: by the end of this we might both be in love with johnson as well yeah i mean i don't johnson johnson he's he's so goddamn cool
0: he is he is he's so fucking funny
2: but he asks the table okay so did uh everyone see the game last night and uh daryl says oh i did and uh, Jeff says, oh, Theory Henry, he he, mad Savage, he, or correction, he made Savage look like a right cart horse, didn't he?
0: Yeah. And so as I was taking notes on this episode, I was just like, you know, I, I know that they're probably talking about, and I'm just going to call it football because, you know, we're not talking about the NFL right now, even though when NFL season starts, I will be referring it to soccer and I don't care what people say. It's... <laughs> But uh, Thierry Henry is a black French footballer, and at the time that this episode was recorded, he was playing for Arsenal, and Savage, I kind of was, you know, was doing a little bit of guesswork here, but there was another player at the same time whose name was Robbie Savage, and he was playing for Birmingham City. And you want to know something really interesting uh, about these two players, or about these two teams, Arsenal and Birmingham City, Lee?
2: Oh, sure, sure.
0: Two weeks after this episode aired, they played each other. The final score was 3-0 Arsenal, with Thierry Henry scoring two of those goals. So, (laughs) it was like they were goddamn psychics on Peep Show. It's so fucking funny.
2: Yeah, that's I mean a Pete Show prophecy. Yes. Uh, this episode just was ahead of its time and uh you know Daryl says, Well, brilliant, wasn't he? I mean, he looks at Johnson and says, I mean, when are you people finally gonna admit that you lot are just better at sport and that's a simple fact. And I hate this line. Daryl obviously knows that it is not okay to be
0: a racist. Like right. he knows he knows that that's he knows that that's the case. Right. He is super careful at least when he's around mark he's super careful to kind of disguise his racism but in this scene right here i mean he's just like full bore with the racism well, and and i don't get why daryl thinks that that's an okay thing to do here like obviously he knows that saying something like you lot or you people or something like that is definitely can be misconstrued especially
2: considering that there's a fucking black guy at the other end of the table. You know what I mean? Johnson just looks at him and says, you lot. Now, interesting here, because Mark says, uh, he means guys like you who are French. He thinks you're French. I keep telling you, Daryl, he's not French. Come on, let's get you drink. And he pulls him away from the table. Now, I don't know, because Mark doesn't at all seem like the person who would watch sports. But, I mean, Thierry Henry is a French footballer. So did Mark know that he was French or was it just a lucky guess or a lucky deflection?
0: Well, you know, we talked about this and I said, I said, no, but here's what I'm, the more I think about it, the more I think that, you know, even if you're not into a sport, like my wife doesn't like football, but I guarantee you if I asked her who Jamal Charles is, she would probably know who Jamal Charles is. So even though Mark probably doesn't follow Arsenal or watch Arsenal, I would imagine he would have to know who Theory Henry is and um, would probably at least be aware that he was French.
2: Right, or just Mark occasionally doing research on, you know, things that are occurring (laughs) just to, you know, seem like a normal person. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So uh, Mark pulls Daryl over to the bar and starts rambling on about how he doesn't want to hang out with Daryl anymore because they're both busy, and uh, Daryl's really confused about it because, you know, he thought that they were really good friends, and Mark says, well, it's the 21st century. Nobody really likes anyone anymore, so let's just leave it at that.
0: And Daryl's just like, oh, oh, but I do like you. I, I, I think you're fucking great. And Mark's just like, yeah, well, I'm sorry, but I don't have time Okay, there's no time, so let's just forget anything ever happened, okay? And the, the really goddamn funny thing about this scene is how upset Daryl looks about everything that Mark is saying to him. And Mark tries to, like, justify this by saying, It's okay, he doesn't have any feelings, racists don't have feelings, they're subhumans.
2: <laughs> yeah, which I think is is a kind of a, I don't know, ironic line a little bit. Yeah, that was,
0: it's funny that you say that because as I wrote that down, I was like, wow, I bet racists say that, that same thing about other races.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, we so got- is
0: this, is this what they mean when people talk about reverse racism? Like when you're being prejudiced against a racist? Um,
2: well, I don't think that's really the definition of reverse racism, <laughs> but, uh, back at Apollo house, we've got Mark playing Tetris on his computer and uh, just very pleased with himself, saying, Yes, little Tetraminos, you fit neatly together and Dissolve, because everything is simple in Tetris World.
0: Right after this, Jeremy just kind of knocks on the door, and he looks a little sheepish, and he's just like, Mark, I've got a massive, massive favor to ask you. And then he's just like, the thing is, Gog, he's got some reservations on the track, and he's holding out the four grand until we get it right. And Mark's just like, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and, uh, you know, apparent, apparently, uh, like, Gog owes him something like four grand and uh, for for the completion of the track. And he got an advance. But Jeremy says that he spent the entire advance on drugs and shoes. So he needs to borrow money from Mark to get more studio time. Quite a lot of money. <laughs> right. And, and Mark actually, he's like, okay. And Jeremy says, which, okay, good. Which, let me
0: interrupt here. Which... It's weird that Mark is so okay just loaning Jeremy money. The only thing that I could potentially think of is that he's maybe hoping, like, if he gives Jeremy a thousand, you know, a thousand pounds now, that upon completion of the track, when Jeremy gets his four thousand pounds, that he'll, you know, repay Mark right away.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't see uh, Jeremy doing that. He'd probably just go buy more shoes and drugs, <laughs> but. uh
0: how Anyways. much was his fucking advance man like good god like to just blow it all on like drugs and shoes that must have been like and, and, and if he blew it all on drugs why don't we see him doing drugs
2: um well I mean maybe it was all crack and superhand smoked it all no, that's a good point it's a good point Jeremy seems a little put off by the crack though he does I definitely think that uh, that that's not Jeremy's more of a you know sit back and smoke a joint kind of guy yeah, do some acid, do some whatever. Acid, right. So uh, anyway, uh, as it turns out, that's not the actual favor that he was going to ask Mark for.
0: I like this. I like this reveal where the massive, massive favor isn't borrow, borrowing like you know probably about another thousand dollars. I don't know how much studio time is, but probably I would imagine it's in the the four digits at least. Yeah. But the actual favor is that Gog is super high on the Coronglay and he wants much, much more core
2: <laughs> <laughs> So Jeremy needs Mark to get back in touch with Daryl just to get some of that more sweet core action. And uh, Jeremy has a little bit of, uh, you know, Mark is like, you know, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to Daryl. You know, he's a racist, all this other stuff. So uh, Jeremy gives a little speech to Mark, and uh, we'll just go ahead and play that here because it's pretty good.
1: No, Jeremy, you know what Daryl's like?
2: No, sure, yeah,
1: absolutely, of course. But look at it another way. We've all got our foibles. I mean, I, for example, hate mozzarella. It's not the same. It is kind of the same. I mean, aren't we supposed to be living in a multicultural democracy? And isn't that the point? You know, the Jews and the Muslims and the racists all living happily together, side by side, doing and saying whatever the hell they like.
0: (laughs) I like that, (laughs) racist foibles. Racist foibles. I hate
2: mozzarella, <laughs> and Mark's just like it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently, Mark did call Daryl because in the next scene we have the at the studio, and Daryl is playing the Koronglay.
0: Yeah, and and Mark's just like, yeah, I bet he plays the Koronglay in the BNP Javs combo, and um. While I'm sure our British listeners know exactly what the BNP is, for for those that don't, it is the British National Party. It's what I would consider a far-right party that believes in firm but voluntary incentives for immigrants and their descendants to return to home. In other words, Britain for the British, so I would 100% guess that Daryl was a member of the BNP. And probably later switched right. over to Ukip.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know Jeremy's real fired up about the Core Anglais playing, and uh, but Super Hands can't really focus. Um, you know Jeremy is just you know brilliant, fantastic. What did you think, Hands? And the only thing that Hands can respond to, with is crack. Just give me crack. And Jeremy just kind
0: of ignores it, and he's like, "Well, I loved it." And then <laughs> as he stands up, he 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 stands up and he tells the the audio engineer, he's like. Okay, you know, print a print print. A, God damn it! What does he say? Print some copies. Um, oh yeah. Well, I loved it. And then to the engineer, he's like, "If you want to print one of those out or whatever." And um, as he's standing up, Superhands is just like, "I'll suck for crack." And Jeremy's like, "Yeah, come on, Superhands, let's get you some crack." And then he just looks over at Mark, and he's just like, "Tell Daryl, we're very
2: grateful." Yeah. And so at this point, you got Mark in the engineer's booth, and you've got Daryl on the other side of the glass, kind of packing up his his instrument. And uh, Mark gives a little speech to Daryl about the differences between you know being conservative and being racist. That we'll go ahead and listen to here.
3: Great to hear from you. You uh, got over whatever brain attack you had in Frankie and Benny's then?
1: I'm safe in my cubicle. I'm safe. So we off for a pie or what? Uh, Daryl, li- listen. The-, the truth is. I can't be associated with you anymore because you're a racist.
3: Huh? <laughs> yeah, but I thought we were on the same wavelength. You know, the, the sausage, the euro, Clarkson.
1: There's a difference. Daryl, you can't hate people because of their ethnic background.
3: Oh, right. Political correctness gone mad.
1: No, I hate political correctness gone mad more than anyone. I don't want to teach the world to sing. That that would be horrible, but... Slavery? The... That... holocaust, that's, that's just not on. Whereas I have a dream, South Africa, Benetton, it's, you've got to say, fair enough, yeah?
3: Yeah. Okay, no. Fair enough, you've
1: taught me around. I have? Fuck off, thought police. Well, there he goes, the first friend I've made since Nick Bickford in 96. And I'm pretty sure Nick didn't really like
2: me. Fuck off, <laughs> thought police. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a pretty good little uh, little bit of insight there from Mark, and I uh, thought it was a good little speech.
0: Obviously, Mark is not a racist, but I could I could understand how people could see his conservative views and and think that he might you know trend that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I think I think that Mark has enough of a conscience that. Uh, yeah,
0: obviously, yeah. obviously. Plus, he's in love with a black man. I mean, you can't be a racist <laughs> if you're in love with a no, black
2: man. No, certainly not. I have a I'm feeling... am just kidding. That yeah. is actually a racist statement, so it sorry. It is, but I can't imagine that uh, the clan would be too, too thrilled with that. <laughs> Your membership card would probably be revoked. Yeah. yeah. Or hat? I don't know. Do they do membership hats? So anyway, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, Mark, and Superhands are all outside of Gog's apartment, and uh, Jeremy's got a bat in his hands. Uh, Hans has got a baseball glove and Mark has a softball. And they're trying to make it look, you know, like, oh, they're just there to play a little little game of softball.
0: Yeah, I I like that. Uh, Why do I have a softball? And Hans is just like, oh, you know, in case the cops turn up, just a bunch of mates playing a lovely game of baseball. And then Jeremy (laughs) is like, you feeling okay with the crack, super Hans? And, And Hans is like, oh, I'm fine, totally fine. And Mark's just like, oh, you've kicked the crack. And, of course, Hans being Hans, he's like, nope. Except I bang a load of volume up me
2: arsehole for the come down, <laughs> <laughs> and the way he delivers that line is just is so super handsome. Oh my so god, funny. it's so goddamn funny. <laughs> but so they ring the doorbell and Gog opens the door and initially he doesn't really think much about him standing there until Jeremy like sticks the bat in his face and starts threatening him. Yeah, and and, and Gog's like,
0: "Oh, have you had some more thoughts about the track?" And and Jeremy's just like, "Yeah, we thought we might smash your brains in with a baseball bat and." <laughs> The goddamn funniest thing about this whole scene is that you have you have Jeremy and Superhands who are threatening Gog, and then you have Mark just apologizing profusely the I'm entire so time. Like,
2: I'm, so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, and it's funny because they're like, you know, we're here to mess things up. So, like, Jeremy puts his hand on a pile of mail and just, like, throws it on the floor. And it's only a couple pieces of mail. Like, it, it, they're really not great at being threatening here.
0: Yeah, Superhands picks up a box of cereal and he's like, "Nice packet of crunchy nut you've got here, pretty expensive as I recall." And then he proceeds to just pour the whole fucking thing on the ground, which, uh, to this day, is still one of the funniest things in this entire series. It's
2: like we're gonna mess things up. We're gonna ruin your four, you know, four dollar box of cereal. But, I, believe uh, the,
0: I believe the Pete Show shitposting page actually has that um, as
2: their uh, cover picture <laughs> nice but uh, so at this point uh, Hans tells Jeremy to hit Gog with the bat but then Jeremy tells Super Hans to hit him and you know Hans has the baseball glove on his hand he's like hit him like I can't even make a fist and he's just playing with the glove <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I fucking love that like he's like punch him I can't even make a fist and then Mark is just like the whole point of contract law is you
2: know to make sure that this kind of thing never happens <laughs> yeah. and so you know if they had a paper contract a proper contract they wouldn't have to resort to extortion but the, yeah. phone, the phone starts ringing and uh, Jeremy instructs Gog not to answer it uh, and you know Gog's a little bit scared at this point I think but he asks you know what if it's Honda and yeah, yeah so then Hans is like no It might be Honda. So so Gog picks up the phone and starts carrying on a fake conversation. Oh, Honda. Yeah. Oh, you like the track. And then just finally says, Dave, call the police. They're trying to kill me.
0: Yeah. And then they all just start like struggling with with Gog to to get the the phone out of his hand. And Mark is just like, he, he puts the phone. He's like, hello, Dave. It's Mark here. I'm an old friend of Gog. Don't worry. We're not trying to kill him. It's just he's never had sushi before. He thought we were trying to poison him, and he's just like he's just like laughing. And then he's like, "Oh, it's all right, Gog. You're not meant to cook it. It's supposed to be raw." And then back to the phone, he's just like, "Can he
2: call you back later?" Yeah. So uh, we get a we get a cut over back to JLB, and uh, Sophie is uh, asks Mark, you know, what's the big stink?
0: Yeah, and Mark is just like, "Oh, you know." Daryl's getting the sack. Uh, apparently, he was a massive racist, and not even his best friends knew. <laughs> Someone reported him
2: immediately, trying to uh, cover his own ass right there.
0: Yeah, I really, I
2: really, really fucking enjoy that part where he's just like, "Oh, and not even his best friends knew." Yeah. So uh, you know, everybody's kind of watching Daryl very closely as he's walking out the building. And Daryl walks over to Mark's desk, and Mark's terrified because, you know, he's like, "Does Daryl have a pipe bomb in his pants?" You wouldn't, bomb, you wouldn't bomb a whitey, would you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then
0: Daryl leans super close, which I think is probably the scary. I think it's like scarier to have somebody lean in super close than you know to just like yell at you or whatever. But Daryl's like, "Don't worry, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm going now. I just wanted to say." I don't care what happened. I still think you're a bloody good guy. And then almost as kind of a afterthought, he's like, Oh, and I took the wrap for the sausage as well, so you're in the clear there. And then louder than everything else, he's just like, So, well,
2: I'll see you around, mate. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, on his way out, uh, Mark you know, kind of waits until... Daryl's walked off far enough and sort of says it loud enough so the people around him can hear it, but Daryl's not gonna hear it, and he just says, "Yeah, and and good riddance, you, you fucking Nazi." Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. And then of course
0: we go we go to the end credits. But you know, one question that I had about this, and I'm interested to hear what you think. Did we know Barbara is a racist, right? Because you know Sophie said that you know the. Um, you know, Barbara's a racist, right? Did Barbara meet Daryl at a white power rally? And also we never see, we never see Barbara again after season one. So is it safe to assume that maybe Barbara
2: got fired for hiring Daryl as well? I mean, I think that it's a lot of assumptions, but I mean, I, it's certainly possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's funny to, to think about, you know, uh, the two of them, um, you know, meeting at a white power rally, and that's
2: how Daryl got <laughs> his job. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me, though. Um, so uh, you said that uh, we got some more hate mail? No, we got feedback. Oh, feedback. That's Okay, that's better than hate mail.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we got messaged on the L Dude Brothers podcast page, and I got to tell you if, you, if you send us messages on the L Dude Brothers podcast page, I will always answer you ASAP or Lee will. One of the two of us will. Right. Um, So this is from Kellen in Australia. And he said, Hey, really enjoying your podcast as a big fan of peep show. Thought I'd point out that your criticism of the reused material in the failed American pilot reminded me of the pilot for the U S office, which was a straight up remake and had the timing down way worse. Plus, like with Peep Show, they changed the characters quite a bit for the U.S. office, but later on in the U.S. office developed its own style and became a very successful show with a unique identity. Do you think the American Peep Show could have gotten better after the pilot, or was there really no hope? Kellen from Australia.
2: Well, let me first uh, talk about that U.S. office pilot, because I've seen the entire series a couple times, and I enjoy the U.S. office for the most part. I've tried to watch the U.K. office, and... I do enjoy Ricky Gervais. Uh, You know, some of the stuff that he's done, uh, the HBO series Ricky Gervais show, and then An Idiot Abroad with Carl Pilkington is just uh, really, really funny. But I found him grating and just irritating in the UK version of The Office, to where, uh, yes, they changed the characters for the US Office, but I mean, I think it was just more suited to the audience. And even though the timing was off and the first couple episodes, really, you could tell that there were more misses than hits. They figured it out pretty quick, and it, it did turn into a pretty good show. But I don't think you know. You got to consider there's the U.S. audience. Um, the American Peep Show didn't even hit the human demographic, so <laughs> I really was, think there was no hope. Was Steve Carell's character in The Office? Did he does
0: he have a UK like counterpart? Yeah, Ricky Gervais.
2: Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I think it's do think it's uh, it's a good uh, observation there, but uh, I think it's just two very different things because, you know, they just there was no chemistry between the cast in uh, American Peep Show, but in American Office, you know, even though it wasn't totally obvious at first, they had a lot of good chemistry on that cast.
0: Yeah, and that's actually—it's actually interesting that you said that because that was the exact same thing that I said back to him. I said, um, "I don't think the reused jokes were the problem. It was more that Galecki and Meyer just don't have the chemistry that Mitchell and Webb do. Um, Mitchell and Webb did obviously have the advantage of being together for a while prior to Peep Show. I think it's entirely possible that the show would have found its own voice, and for people who had never seen the original, I'm sure they would have been—I'm sure that that pilot would have been pretty funny.
2: What for American Peep Show?
0: Yeah, for somebody that had never seen the actual, you know, um, proper UK version, I'm sure that that you know may have been
2: pretty funny to them. I don't, I don't want to meet anybody who's thought that that was funny, because if you thought that was funny, we can't be friends. I'm just saying. So sorry. (laughs) Uh. But uh, that brings us to our next segment of the show that we've done uh, in the last show, and uh, now we're going to enter the Peep Show Poetry Corner.
0: And our first peep show poet is from Paul from Stockport, which is, uh, this one is topical to this episode. Roses are red. Violence can't be bested.
2: I've just finished my first short. Honda's very interested. That's outstanding. I'm I'm very glad that we uh, caught that one today for this episode because it's so topical. Uh, Wolf from London uh, refers back to a dance class with Roses are Red violets are blue i'm louis theroux i'm louis theroux (laughs) (laughs) and uh
0: terry from alaska shout out to terry from alaska because hopefully uh she asked for a link to the page so hopefully she'll be listening to this one day roses are red jez ate mummy that's not
2: funny daryl repeat not funny (laughs) Good uh, good use of the cone uh, in the artistic expression of this poem. It really touches me deeply. Yeah. yeah. Now, kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about, Lee
0: and I had a really, really good time doing the American Peep Show pilot review. We obviously didn't have a good time watching it, but we had a good time recording it. So we started kind of thinking about, you know, what could we do? What else could we do? And I recently in the mail received the peep show scripts book it was released in 2008 and it has all the scripts from seasons one through five interestingly enough it has the original script for the season three series three episode six finale and it is called um mark and sophie go to paris or the honeymoon it's one of the two I, i don't remember off the top of my head um the episode was written and never filmed and it, it takes place in kind of an alternate version of, of the show where Tony and Nancy both stayed on the show. Um, but we'll we'll go into that when we actually record this episode. But here's the deal. When we hit 2,000 listens on SoundCloud, we're going we're gonna to put this whole thing together. And basically what we want to do is we want to do what would amount to a table read. We're going to have different people playing different parts, there's like seven characters, eight characters total, but we're not going to like half-ass this. No. There's going to be opening music. We're going to have flagpole sita in the opening music. We're going to have plip plop during scene transitions. There's like two or three scenes with background music. We're going to have the background music. It's going to be super complex and it's going to be hell to edit, but <laughs> I am... I am looking forward to it. So
2: it's Think about like old time radio, you know, when they, before TV was, you know, ubiquitous uh, all over the world. I mean, they did the radio shows. I mean, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be like watching a peep show episode, but you'll just be listening to it. uh, And uh, it'll be, I think it'll be really good. So if you want to hear this project, uh, head over to our Facebook page, give us a a thumbs up on that and uh, pop over to SoundCloud and listen to, uh, To to some of our tracks, if you haven't already. Uh, At the current time that we're recording this, we're at 1,127 listens across nine of our tracks. So we're halfway there. So, uh, you know, help us out and uh, we can make this thing a reality. You know, hopefully, I I think a lot of people aren't familiar at all with the idea that that episode was even written. So I I think it would be a very new thing for a lot of people. I think it'd be very enjoyable for for everybody. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, uh,
0: very peep show esque, and even as I was reading it today, I could hear you know the characters' voices and everything. Um, it's it's super funny. It takes place in a very different uh timeline. It's almost it's almost like reading a comic book where a character jumps to an alternate timeline that didn't happen, and everything is changed. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Why is Magneto leading the X Men? You know. <laughs>
2: So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to recording that if we hit the magic 2,000 listen mark, and we'll be keeping it's not, track. It's not a when, it's not if, because we're going
0: to hit 2,000 listens, like, without a doubt. It's just going to depend on, you know, do you guys want this sooner, or do you guys want this later? Right. Um, the last thing that I'd like to talk about, too, and, you know, when we got started on this podcast... You know, I, I think that Lee and I both never really had any sort of, you know, hopes or dreams that this thing would, would ever take off, and, um, you know, we've had a bunch of people listening to us, and, you know, I think it's awesome, and I'm I'm super happy that, you know, one of our, you know, warring factions has 187 listens on SoundCloud, and, you know, I just, Damn. like, that's beyond everything that I that I ever imagined, and... In order to put out a high quality product, you know we both invested in microphones, you know I've we, we pay for hosting, all sorts of stuff. And you know regardless whether or not we ever get donations, we're gonna keep doing it because it's fun. But I did set up a patreon page. Um, it is patreon patreon.com/el dude Bros. Um, there's a couple links on there to just kind of talk about. You know what kind of uh um you know what kind of uh um you know benefits you get from being on the patreon and you know we look forward to to people taking a look at that and you know
2: and your name could be announced on our illustrious podcast or you could even be a co-host if you have an episode that you like
0: you will get to co-host potentially co-host an episode
2: so that's exciting that is exciting um so so. with that uh next week we are going to be doing uh series two episode three which is called local zero uh another in my opinion another great episode um I, i i love the whole premise of it and and the scene in the park and um, really looking forward to recording that one definitely give it a listen and I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time this is the L Dude Brothers Podcast saying eh, eh, eh. and we'll catch you next time
3: I am in local parentis I am the last remaining
2: contestant on The Apprentice I am the home train dentist ay 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 Ooh!